good morning. 7 o'clock, 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Uh, let's us know it is time for the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. I'm your co-host, Adia Hayden. Hey, and I'm your host, Reverend Mitchell L. Johnson. Adia, good morning, good morning. How you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing super fantastic. How are you this morning? Super fantastic and graceful is only the way to be. Yes, it sounds like you're calling in uh, (laughs) for the program this morning. Where are you calling Uh, in from? Calling in from Washington, D.C. I might be National Association of County Officials Legislative Conference here in Washington, D.C. Okay, that's not paying me to tell you where I am. (laughs) no free sponsorships over here Um, and what a great uh, place to be apropos for this month of February Black History Month well this is the National Association of County Officials you're thinking of MAPCO the National Association of Black County Officials and so this is the overarching body MACO and we're here uh, on the legislative portion learning about legislative initiatives and uh, best practices um, for county government around the United States of America. And by the way, um, every time I come to the NACO and NACO, i got to confess, I learned an awful lot about county government. Um, so oftentimes we go to professional events or conferences, and it's just a whole bunch of fun. We have a lot of fun here, but we also have a lot of learning, um, a lot of best practices, and hats off to the entire NACO management team and Matt, the uh, president, uh, and all this team. They're just doing a phenomenal job and always do. So I'm really pleased that County Commissioner Bill Lowry made sure with past president Denise Winfrey that I find myself here in D.C. for a time such as this, by the way. You know, uh, I got the board president, Tony Pickwinkles, is here, along with Cook County Commissioner Donna Miller. Our very own Cook County uh, local elected officials. Great to see everyone coming together, especially in the pursuit of learning and trying to figure out how we can do county government better. There is a little bit of background noise coming in, so I'm not quite sure if you're around a crowd, um, but we do have a little bit of background noise from your phone call, but glad to have you on the line, Reverend Johnson. Yeah, I better tell you something. Um, live radio ain't no joke. <laughs> it tells you otherwise. Just don't know what they're talking about. Yes. <laughs> How are things going on in Chicago? I've been here for the both, the both of the week. Uh, things are going well over here. We've had our fair share of weather as we had some nice, beautiful, warm 50-degree days. Now we're back down to the 30-degree days. So, you know, the typical swing of things that we <laughs> have going on. Um, you know, normally, it's you who are traveling and I here in the studio. And now I get to tell you, it's a balmy 53-degree here in Washington, D.C. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> well, it is also 
Okay, well, it is also Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and so we have two teams going up. You know, ex-Philadelphia Eagles head coach Andy Reid will be marching the Chiefs down the field. And then we also have the San Francisco 49ers in the mix. Why is it that every time we talk sports on this program, you've got to find some way to get the Eagles in the mix? What is that all about? This is a fantastic team. (laughs) (laughs) Former Eagles coach. This is all about the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. All about the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm a broken record. All about the Kansas City Chiefs. It's only about the Kansas City Chiefs. And the last time they played this 4-9 team, they beat them then too, as in awful COO for all you English people. You know, and then and then we went on lockdown for three years after that. So you know, is that is that the future we want to create? Immediately, three weeks later, the world shut down in a way that my generation surely has not seen before. Don't blame it on the boogie. Blame it on the rhythm. The rhythm of KC winning and now Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> so I do notice that there are some challenges uh, with migrants, that we know, um, in Chicago land. And I think it's important for our listening and those who can see you, our bad audience, to understand that uh, from our point of view, we see um, the Johnson administration um, doing the best they can um, for these kinds of challenges. Using the background, tells me it's time to take a pause for the call. This is Reverend Mitchell Lee Kenner Johnson for the Mike and Lee Camp Foundation Hour. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back in studio. It all starts with one meal, one cup of fresh water, one generous person. Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit Zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org. Disabled or a veteran? You may be eligible to save money on your property taxes right now. Hi, I'm Fritz Kage, your Cook County Assessor. Applying for property tax savings is easy and free at cookcountyassessor.com. Review your eligibility, receive in-person assistance, or apply right now for property tax savings at cookcountyassessor.com. That's cookcountyassessor.com. Hi. My name is Dr. Nicole Williams with the Cook County Physicians Association. Did you know that Medicaid is covered for an entire year after you've had your baby? The year after you've had your child can be almost as dangerous as pregnancy itself. Make sure to see your health care provider and get the care you need and deserve.
Welcome back. Welcome back to the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. I am in studio co-hosting Adia Hayden. With us on the line, we have, of course, the host of the program, Reverend Mitchell L. E. Kenna Johnson. Welcome back to the show, host. <laughs> and, I'm going to do my level best. Yes. Um, and with us, as today is the second Sunday of the month, we have Dr. Nicole Williams as well. Welcome morning, to the program. Welcome back to the program. Thank you. So we take the second Sunday of every month to talk about women's health generally and black women's health specifically. Um, So, doctor, what do you have to share with us this morning? Well, since it's Black History Month, I did want to go. I was just about to say that, doctor. Before you get going, we got to tell our listening and viewing audience that it is Black History Month and you've got something uh, special for us on today. Oh, really? Who's <laughs> <laughs> giving a little news to me? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I did want to talk about the immortal Henrietta Lacks with regard to health care and how she basically changed healthcare in ways that she's almost touched every aspect of healthcare. So Henrietta Lacks was actually a young woman in the late 40s, early 50s. Uh, she died in 1951 of cancer of the cervix. Now, the reason I call her the immortal Henrietta Lacks is that her cells were taken from her without her permission of course, yes, to be experimented on. John Hopkins University? It was actually at Johns Hopkins University. It's yes. supposed to be one of the exalted yes. schools, and they're supposed to be so enlightened. So they were enlightened enough to take the cells of this black woman when they took their biopsy, took a bunch of tissue from her, and they started discovering that the cells didn't die. So usually... When you take a cell and you try to grow and do research and things on it, after several iterations, it just peters out. It dies. So then you can't really follow the data as long as you'd want to. But for some reason, Henrietta Lacks' cells did. So she has had a hand in the development of vaccines, treatments, cancer treatments, so many different things. And her family did not know this for many, many decades. So it was the 2000s that they uh, mounted the lawsuit to say, hey, you know what? If Pfizer and all these major companies have been using these cells, we deserve a cut. Mm-hmm. Especially because if they the, developed these treatments. Yeah. Yeah. And we talk about this woman who she died at the age of 31. So a very mm-hmm. young woman um, was just going to try to get treated for a disease that she had and try to prolong her own personal life. And, you know, the science and researchers were like, okay, yeah, we'll treat you. And then also take a little bit of something for us at the top that went on to have such meaningful impact in modern medicine. Absolutely. So that is a bit of institutional racism for your morning paired with black (laughs) history. Yes. um, 
you know, and it just talks about the racial inequalities we have in the healthcare system. They didn't start today. Mm-hmm. They didn't start in the 80s. You know, they didn't start with AIDS or anything like that. They've been going on. You know, we hear so much about Tuskegee and then maybe there's a gap. And then, you know, black people don't come up in the health and our health care history until maybe then again in the 80s. But this was in 1951. Right. Mm-hmm. 1951. Yes. And so what do you think inspired her? When did her family finally know or when when did the family start to get involved and maybe reach out for compensation or, you know, was Henrietta Lacks's name ever associated with these discoveries? I imagine not. No one wanted to oh, give her no, credit. No, no, no. No, they did not. So many different companies took the cells. So when you have cells like that, that at their, and they're at a university, mm-hmm. they will, uh, anybody can get them. So if uh, Johns Hopkins had them, and then you go, oh, well, University of Chicago wanted some, and so then they took them. So I think that they finally filed a lawsuit. Um, I think it was in the mid-2000s, and it looks like... Uh, no, no, no. Actually, it's like 2020. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, it's just 2020. So they should be getting paid very soon after, oh, 70 years. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, that's, that's, um, that's, that's horribly, horribly amazing. Horribly amazing. Yeah. And yep, so, so no, that black history goes not from you know, all the other beautiful inventions we made, but from ordinary, everyday people. Mm -hmm. Without their consent, right? And that's the the major key for this one is I think then it also paved the way for, you know, our national policy making bodies to look more into consent and patient consent and what we can and cannot do, um, you know, when you are treating a patient because the reality is cells had to be removed, I imagine. Things were biopsied. Um, that was just a part of the typical process, but then that extra mm-hmm. step of keeping them or maybe not disposing or doing additional things with the cells that the patients aren't aware of, or, you know, if they do happen to pass away that their families aren't aware of. Um, and so we have yeah, some absolutely. lasting effects of that and policies that have come down to try to protect patients going forward. Right. I have a for and you. Did you know I've that? Had, I've had several surgeons. Um, all sports related, and in some cases, they they remove bone from my body, and they never ask me if I want my bone back. What's that all about? Reverend, most of the things that they remove from people, they it goes in the incinerator once it's tested. I think your bone. There will be no my Joe, my Joe cells, my Joe bones no, going they, forward. They finally got rules. <laughs> they finally got rules about that. And it actually, it wasn't until 1993 that the National Institutes of Health said, oh, yes, you should include women and minorities in your research studies. Wow. You know, yeah, I've so- recently found out how little 
um, we still know about the female body um, and how there's tremendous research like going on today for the first time mm-hmm. ever, especially as it re- relates to periods and menstruation that we've known has been happening for hundreds of years, but we never knew why or what other uh, symptoms occur during that time. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just fascinating how delayed, you know, modern medicine still is. And we use the term modern medicine as if to give it credit for being better than it is. Like, oh, we know so much now. It's modern medicine. Um, but we, there's still so much we don't know. Oh, my God. You're so right. Dr. Williams, I'm going to ask you this question before you respond. I think part of the challenge, particularly with women's health in general, and women, you could definitely in particular, is religious um, interference where bad blood or a woman on her cycle cannot be touched or all of this foolishness having to do with man's ignorance. Oh, a lot of that had to do with man's ignorance. Now, there have been, if you look over at, um, I think it's Malaysia or certain parts of India, that when a woman menstruates, she has to go away into a menstrual hut. Uh, Also happens in Nepal that it still happens. And where did all of this madness come from? I, you would think it would, might be religion, but it was more of a cultural thing. And it became culturally ingrained. Oh, yeah, it became culturally ingrained. And then, of course, the Bible says you're not supposed to touch the woman, and the Quran says something very similar. I don't know it exactly. But, yeah, so you have that, and then it becomes ingrained in the culture, even if those people aren't religious. Mm-hmm. And we, right? And, yeah. Yeah. And so when women are menstruating, so first of all, do we know why we have to menstruate? So if you look at close cousins, our primates, they will produce some type of bleeding. And what we're thinking is that since it takes a lot more effort to grow a human being than another minor primate, that we have to grow more tissue on the inside to support pregnancy as opposed to our close cousins, primates, who don't need to grow as much wait, tissue wait, wait, to grow. Wait, 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 yeah. wait. Have you, ever, have you huh? ever been to Rwanda? Yes. So you've seen really big silverbacks. Yeah. yeah. They're always bigger and stronger than humans. So help me understand yeah. the size dimensions as a function of cycles. Well, they think it has more to do with the development of the brain then it has to do with, you know, the strength of the muscles or anything like that. But, of course, like we were just talking about, we still don't know so much. Now, these are all just theories of why women menstruate or then why it might be. We know why sometimes it gets heavier or sometimes it's missing, but the corner is why we don't know. But we do know a lot more now than we used to many, many years ago. And we do have better ways to manage. And I have a lot of my patients who go, oh, I just don't want to be on the pill. And I go, I fully support that if that is what you want. Because everybody's, you know, the black women have been pushed the pill, the pill, the pill. Pill, here, take the pill. It's going to solve all of your problems. And while it might, it almost go, harkens back to what we're talking about with Tuskegee. They feel as if, you know, oh, okay, this is just what we just give to everybody and it's just fine. And they're trying to not acknowledge what's going on with me and why I might need, a, why I might want 
a different type of help that is not a birth control pill. But we have that now. And unfortunately, a lot of women will just suck it up and bleed out and be anemic and be tired, not be able to take care of their families until they are so anemic that they might faint at work. Wow. So this is an interesting conversation about this thing on that thing. Hello? <laughs> yes, we can still hear you, doctor. Um, oh, I heard yeah. a beep. And, uh, oh, no problem. All good. We I are all still off. here. Um, it is an interesting discussion for Black History Month. Um, as we talk about a lot of different health disparities and racial disparities, um, I mm-hmm. believe black women have, you know, a harder time getting access to period products. That's, you know, internationally. Um, oh, yeah. And so it's called the tampon tax. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have it nationally as well, like the tampon mm-hmm. tax, the pink tax. I, you know, I never understood why it's some a monthly expense for me. But, you know, people without vaginas don't have that monthly expense. Um, so no, I feel like I shouldn't have to pay for it. Because the people without vaginas are the ones making the rules. And so then they don't really care. Yeah, exactly. It's not affecting their daily life. But we have music coming in from the background affecting our daily life, which means it is time for us to take a, another commercial break. We'll be right back with the My Community Plan Foundation Hour after this station break. Hello, this is Karen Carruthers, My Community Plan Foundation Nutritionist. Coming to you today on this awesome Sunday with your generational health tip. I'd like to talk to you about the benefits of eating oatmeal. Oatmeal is naturally and nutritionally rich. It has more protein than most grains, and it also has numerous vitamins and minerals. It contains antioxidants and soluble fiber. And that soluble fiber aids in promoting regular emptying of the bowel and prevents constipation. Also, there's so many different varieties and different ways that you can make oatmeal. Oatmeal cookies, you can cook your oatmeal for breakfast in the morning, you can sprinkle a few oats in your morning smoothie, and also make sure you're getting in plenty of water and exercise as well as rest on a daily basis. This is Karen Carruthers, my Community Plan Foundation Nutritionist. Thank you. Welcome back to the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. I am your co-host, now turned host, Adia Hayden. Uh, our host for the program uh, is in D.C. doing great work. And, you know, he will be on a journey to depart D.C. momentarily. Uh, so we thank Reverend Johnson for the time he has lent us. But we also have on the program still with us, Dr. Nicole Williams. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. Yes. And so before the break, we were talking about, um, well, as it is the second Sunday of the month, we talk about black women's health. And so right before the break, we were talking specifically about how little the medical field and thus greater population know about menstruation and periods in women. Um, and so now... Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about what I'm seeing in terms of the period poverty cycle. 
um, because we know black yeah. women represent, um, although we're only 12.8% of the female population in the U.S., we are 22.3% of women in poverty. Um, and so there's a great overrepresentation of black women in poverty compared to their general um, population numbers here in the U.S. And so when we talk about having to pay for tampons and pads and other female sanitary products that, you know, I don't think we should have to pay for, um, it does hit, hit black women's pockets right. a little bit differently. And did you know that um, women who are imprisoned don't get they only get a certain allotment of period products per month and if mm. they go through that then they don't get any more until the next month so yeah. they end up free bleeding or having to you know so you might even have to barter with your cellmate just so you can get a period product if your flow is heavy mm, and we know that you know it, as many people can have predictable periods, there is still mm -hmm. that unpredictable nature of it. And, you know, every month based on your habits might look a little different than the month before. So you never know. Oh, so that's absolutely. really interesting. Mm -hmm. Because I have a lot of my patients who'll come in and they'll say, oh, my period was three days early this month. And then the one before that was, you know, maybe one day late. And the one before that was, oh, that was on time, but it lasted a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about before we went to the break, is that those, that still counts as normal. Mm -hmm. I want people to know that your period may not happen every 28 days on a Wednesday at 2.30 in the afternoon. But the app told so, me know, it if, would. No. <laughs> right, right. The app is like, oh, no. But no, 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 absolutely not the case. Just know that if Jesus had periods, you know, if, he, if there was some miracle Jesus had periods, Jesus' periods would last every 28 days. He would only have four days of period, and Jesus would have no cramps. But mm -hmm. since we are not Jesus, <laughs> we are human females, then there's going to be some variation in the system. Also, you know, your diet can affect your period. So, you know, if you are experiencing period poverty because you have to go through two packs, of pads or so a month, and that is cutting into your family's budget, then we have to look at some of the underlying things. We want to think about diet. We want to think about exercise. We want to think about hopefully keeping our stress levels under control. So then when you do go to the doctor, you may not need the doctor to say, oh, here, just take a pill. Mm. So there might be, you know, some other lifestyle changes as you know it's pretty common in medicine lifestyle changes that can have an effect on your health um and you mm -hmm. know thus your pockets <laughs> um, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. yeah because i want my my patients need to be aware that you you know your period kind of reflects kind of an overall indication of quote-unquote health. They actually say, I'm a country I work with, they don't call it a period. They call it, are you getting your health? Mm. Because we know that having a normal monthly cycle is, you know, part of a, a reproductive woman that's just part of her life, and it's normal. Mm -hmm. And it can yeah, be a so, great indicator of, you know, are you mm -hmm. eating a balanced diet? Um, yes. Are you getting in regular exercise or maybe you did a big lifestyle change and suddenly you want to become a bodybuilder this month and maybe you're <laughs> lifting a little bit more. That could also uh, affect your periods as well. 
Exactly. And if you've done all these positive changes and your period is still heavy, or if it's too much, or if it has become far more irregular than what you're used to, that's when you do want to see a doctor because there could be another issue like fibroids or polyps in the uterus or a hormonal imbalance that may not be completely fixed with diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. So very important to know what regular looks like for you. And then when something feels unregular, feels off from what you're used to, yep, check in with the doctor and don't try to web MD yourself healthy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's important that patients do have access to some medical knowledge. However, I always put an asterisk on it because you want to talk with somebody who can put that knowledge in perspective for you. And please don't get your health care tidbits from TikTok because I'm getting a bunch of that now. And there are some doctors out there, I mean, who are touting, oh, okay, well, don't go get vaccinated. Don't take care of your health. Oh, you can do whatever you want. And this is going to really, it's already, I'm so sure, affecting the overall health of our young people. But eventually it has been permeating up to grown people because I'm seeing grown people talk about some of these things and why they're not, you know, following healthcare guidelines is because, oh, well, there was a doctor who told me I didn't have to. There's a doctor, the doctor that they found on TikTok. Yeah. Mm. TikTok doctor, because he's on TikTok, so that must make it better. (laughs) Oh, totally credible. WebMD is another one that is full of... And what what what, it, what does President Biden say? Malarkey? Yes. <laughs> and it's important that when you're consuming this information, write your questions down. If you want, you can write them in your phone. They got an app for that. And mm-hmm. then when you go to the doctor, you don't just spend the time you have with the doctor, with the doctor talking at you, but you can get your questions actually answered. So then... As a even as a, a human being, as a black person, especially, you're going to make sure that you get your questions answered to your satisfaction, and the medical knowledge is properly disseminated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to come in with a little bit of an educated question, right? Because we don't want to just say "ow, this hurts." The end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so because. Uh, with the time limits, you know, in our health insurance system that doctors have to spend with you, they are with you for a limited time. So the better prepared we can come in with a little bit of educated questions and pointed questions, um, mm-hmm. we can make the best use of that time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because if not, you're not, if not, you'll end up unsatisfied with your visit. And then that will make you go back to the Internet because you know how hard it is to actually get a health care provider. Yes. To talk to you, either on the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's easier just to turn to the internet for all of your questions and all of your healthcare issues. But again, it's so important for us to take our own, take responsibility for our health and then maximize the time we have with our physician. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, yep, <laughs> wanted to go back a little bit uh, on mm-hmm. to Henrietta Lacks's legacy. Um, And so we know that the case, there was a case brought into the Supreme Court um, 
that then went on to influence the establishment of the common rule in 1981. Mm -hmm. And so the common rule to enforce informed consent. And so doctors have to let patients know if they do plan on using any of, you know, parts of their body, if that's accurate, Mm -hmm. uh, any part of them for further research. Am I describing that correctly? You are describing that absolutely correctly because there's, so much institutional racism in our healthcare system from the very beginning when they thought that black skin was tough. And in order to make sure that we are going, you know, that they would be, we would be getting our due and that we're going to be included in these studies and that we're going to have a seat at the table. Yes, it does have to be actually enforced, which is unfortunate, but I'm glad we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And what always amazes me when we talk about um, Henrietta Lacks and, you know, her legacy at Johns Hopkins is they have a Web page uh, that says the importance of HeLa cells. And they talk about HeLa cells just being isolated. Um, you know, they were obtained during treatment and just like... No. <laughs> Things of that nature where it kind of skirts around the consent issue, but aren't directly calling out like, hey, we messed up here. And, you know, we what we want to see ideally from, you know, not only Johns Hopkins, but corporations and organizations that do mess up or that may have a tricky past. Right. Because we can't judge Mm -hmm. always (laughs) the actions of the (laughs) past based on today's societal norms because they did exist in a different time. But we do now know better. And so the first step is acknowledging, you know, where things came from or the environment that they were in, because uh, the cells have gone on to influence so much from cancer discoveries to Mm -hmm. fertility discoveries and virology and all sorts of things. Um, And so we're just hopeful that the family is able to recover from this, you know, financially, emotionally, continue to talk about it, continue to spread her legacy. Exactly. As they deserve, because no human being deserved to just... First of all, yes, sure, they were taking a piece, but they did not deserve to not have their due done. But, of course, that goes back to what's going on in our country with systemic ingrained racism, not just in government, but also in health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm just I'm amazed by Johns Hopkins Medicine um, <laughs> because they go on to say to actually credit themselves and say at the time, oh, the Johns Hopkins Hospital was, on, was one of only a few hospitals to treat poor African-Americans, you know, like oh, they got we took Henrietta Laxon. Oh, they're patting themselves on the back. Yes. Now, of course, we can also go back to uh, J. Marlon Sims and how Mm. he was taking credit, was taking credit for being the father of, you know, modern gynecology when it was actually a woman who invented the speculum. So that systemic issue, it's still there. It's better, but it's still absolutely there. The issue of folks taking credit, like from women, mm-hmm. or yeah, and doesn't that goes back? That, yeah, that goes back as far as like DNA, correct? Like there was a woman involved in the discovery of DNA. Yes, there was, and now everybody thinks it's Watson and Crick, 
Mm-hmm. Not not everybody, but you know, there were these two white two white guys who took credit for that. But in actuality, there was a larger team. Mm-hmm. And then when they published the data, those were the names of the major scientists. But everybody else was left off. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's what that's what tends to happen. Yes. And her name was Rosalind Franklin, and she has Rosalind Franklin University to this day. Fantastic. Well, great. (laughs) We'll get back (laughs) to talking about black women on the other side of this break. This is the My Community Plan Foundation Hour, and we will be back with our last segment after these station messages. Are you a homeowner or a senior, disabled or a veteran? You may be eligible to save money on your property taxes right now. Hi, I'm Fritz Kagey, your Cook County Assessor. Applying for property tax savings is easy and free at cookcountyassessor.com. Review your eligibility, receive in-person assistance, or apply right now for property tax savings at cookcountyassessor.com. That's cookcountyassessor.com. Hi, my name is Dr. Nicole Williams with the Cook County Physicians Association. Did you know that Medicaid is covered for an entire year after you've had your baby? The year after you've had your child can be almost as dangerous as pregnancy itself. Make sure to see your health care provider and get the care you need and deserve. It all starts with one meal, one cup of fresh water, one generous person. Sakat Foundation of America puts humanity above all else, working to help as many people as possible with food security, emergency relief, education, and much more. From Chicago to Bridgeview, California to New York, Cambodia to Colombia, Sakat Foundation of America has been on the ground for nearly 20 years to provide immediate and sustainable aid so people in need can become self-reliant. Visit zakat.org for more information. That's Z-A-K-A-T dot org. Welcome back to the final segment of the My Community Plan Foundation Hour. I am your co-host, Adia Hayden. And with me on the line, joining us second Sunday of the month, is Dr. Nicole Williams. Welcome back to the program, doctor. Thank you. Thank you. And so we know that the last segment of our program is typically the action segment. We want to make sure that we are leaving folks with something that they can do, they can apply to their lives. Um, And I believe the first one we already covered a little bit at the end of that last Mm -hmm. segment, which was to do a little bit of research and write your questions down and bring these informed questions to your doctor's visits. Exactly. Uh, Another one that I would want to mention is to get a blood pressure cuff. Mm. They have them at Walgreens. They are very inexpensive. And I mention that because black women are more likely to die from cardiac disease as well, not only when they're pregnant. Of course, we know that. But also when they are not pregnant, which we are not pregnant the majority of our lives. So 
do that and then have your own blood pressure cuff at home. When, when you go to the doctor and then they check it, then you can compare it against yours. So then you can be taking a lot more care of your health. And this is primarily for women who are about 50 plus. Or, of course, if you're pregnant, you do want one at home as well. Mm-hmm. And so I actually want to acknowledge that February is also Heart Health Month, I believe. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Yep, exactly. <laughs> also very apropos. Um, and so when you talk about having a, your own blood plush, blood pressure cuff, um, mm-hmm. are there any issues with human error? Because I know I recently went to the doctor and had my blood pressure taken and I had a big old winter sweater on and I said, hey, like I have, you know, a tank top, something underneath the sweater. I can remove the sweater. They said, oh, no problem. Like we can read it through the sweater. And so they did that and they come back with a very much uh, uncharacteristically high blood pressure. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're 10 seconds from sounding the alarm and telling everybody, mm-hmm. you know, that's not, you know, right for her age and other health care or health history. Um, so is there a risk yes, of human? Right. And then, you know, thankfully, they did retake my blood pressure at the end of my appointment. I removed the sweater. I said, I'm not listening to y'all. I don't believe it. And so <laughs> we had a regular yeah, reading. That. Yes. Mm-hmm, Very exactly. much improved. And they were like, oh, OK, we don't need to, you know creative action plan right so so i tell my kids, <laughs> yeah hey bring your bring your blood pressure cuff to the office so then you can compare what the numbers are too because we're going to say that you know if you go to the office it's going to be a little bit more accurate number so then when you're at home then you can be like oh okay from the doctor's office mm. it was this or if it starts to change a lot that's when you want to make another appointment and get rechecked because like we said we know that black women are taken out by cardiac uh, cardiac issues hypertension stroke and the latter Mm-hmm. Now, another thing, so we got two things on our action item list. Another one to do is do a breast self-exam. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be done every month, once a quarter. And what you're feeling for is something that wasn't there before. Because even though white women get more breast cancers, black women die from breast cancer at a higher rate, 40% more likely. Wow. Than white women. And is that because Therefore, of uh, early detection? Mm-hmm. Early, or lack early of detec- early detection there, I Lack guess. of early detection is one of the biggest issues. I have patients right now when I say, oh, okay, you need to get a mammogram. And the first thing out of their mouth is, don't that hurt? Mm. And I go, well, cancer hurts. Yes. <laughs> and, you and, know, there's other fem- like a pap smear and different things where we feel like you've heard from other people that they hurt. And so you might go mm-hmm. in with your own misconceptions of, you know, what kind of pain you might be undergoing or choosing to avoid. Um, and, but it's mm-hmm. important to still make sure you get those medical procedures done, because as you're saying, cancer, you know, the risks are even greater and yeah. way more painful. Right. So. Do your breast self-exam. Get your mammogram every year. Now, they were trying to change the guidelines, but like I said, as black women, we want to increase our early detection rate so then we can increase our survival rate. So if your doctor does say, oh, you don't need to have a mammogram, but for every three years or two years or whatever, they, the, guidelines may, the guidelines did change every two years, every three years, but go every year anyway. So we got... 
getting your questions to the doctor. We have cardiac health with checking your blood pressure. We have do your breast self-exam and make sure to get your mammogram. Yes. And although we are having a riveting conversation, we have another guest on the line who does not happen to identify as a female, but we know him <laughs> as a regular guest on the program. Al Kendall, yes, yes, welcome yes, yes. back. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm here in Washington, D.C., but I'm tuning in, and she is so on the point. I'm so glad to really hear her and to hear her conversation around the action items. I mean... And it's interesting we have this conversation because my first cousin just sent me a text at the start of the week saying that she has um, breast cancer and been detected. Mm-hmm. And, um, but what we come to realize is, is that uh, the family seems to be pre, pre, predisposed to cancer. And so uh, Dr. Williams is part of the Action mm-hmm. family talk to one another about breast cancer or about cancer in general that's a precursor to this? How, how should we well, be first treating of all, this? We have to share. First of all, we have to share. And we have to remember that our elders are a little bit more quiet with talking about this and sharing this information. So we have to pry it out of our elders. Most of my patients don't know their family history, or they might have a vague idea of it. So you sit down, ask Mm -hmm. your mom, ask your sister, ask your aunties, ask your cousins, especially, and ask grandma. Oh, what did your did your mom? What kind of cancers did your mother have? So they will draw a family tree and determine if you need genetic testing. But I urge us as a community within our families to share the conditions that you had. Almost, we don't like to talk about our illnesses, and we're not going to share that, you know, with your children and go, okay, mommy had fibroids. Just so you know, when you have periods and they become heavy, you might have fibroids. We don't share that type of information. And that's something culturally I think we need to do better at. And so as a uh, geologist within our family, that's sort of like dropped out in our family chat line of about 30 people. One said, Mm -hmm. well, you know, we need to share that this is a trait in our family. Then another one said, yes, I had cancer. Then another one said, I had cancer had no idea that yep. this number of people in the family had cancer and others had died from cancer, and we never knew. Don't, because we don't talk about it. And mm-hmm. we as a community within our families need to start talking about it because then we'll, we can take that armamentarium and we can take that to our doctors and say, hey, this is why I want to get a breast MRI. This is why I want to get this other particular test. It's because I know my family history. That's right. That's right. That's right. So it begins to, we begin to perhaps take the other action step nutritionally and Mm -hmm. and other things as a recursory to help cut down on the likelihood as best we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have that conversation, you know, with grandma and just 
talk and say, hey, you know, has anything strange ever happened? Because I know from my personal experience, like, although things may not get volunteered, you sit down and ask one thing and now the floodgates are mm-hmm. open. And so now oh, that's true. <laughs> I've learned all sorts of things that, oh, maybe that's not health related. I didn't need to know. But <laughs> it's OK because we're just <laughs> strengthening that bond and connection. And should something happen, um, strengthening your support system as well. So then, like you're saying, um, Al, we can make those healthy lifestyle changes together and committing to anything with that support system increases the likelihood of success. So you're not just off on an island yourself, like trying to diet, trying to figure it out. But when you're involving your whole family in that process, um, you can make a lasting commitment. And so based on this conversation, I'm going to now resend out the family tree and ask people to put, it feels like sharing some information Mm -hmm. in and then, so we'll have the names of people, but then we'll also know some of the conditions that yes. we need to be looking for. Exactly. And that would be awesome. And and in genealogy, is not something we ever talk about. But I am so glad that, you know, you guys were talking today and just sort of like triggered that in my mind. It's like a light bulb. Hmm. Fantastic. There we go. Great to hear. Thank you, and thank you for calling in and asking your question and joining the conversation. Uh, it was much appreciated. Always, oh, yeah, that always, was great. always, always, always. I know we're at the top of the hour. You probably got music mm-hmm. playing in your ears. Momentarily, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we can give Doctor Thirty Seconds if there's anything else you'd like to share with the people. No, no, I love it. We got family history, got doing your breast self-exam, we got uh, bringing your questions written down to the doctor, and we got the blood pressure. So, yeah, I love all the things that we were talking about today because these are things that we can do to take charge of our health and live longer, healthier lives. Fantastic. Well... Uh, Thank you for joining us on the program. We wish safe travels to Reverend Johnson. Um, And just as we are wishing you all a super fantastic week, um, as you know, spend time with your family, spend time with your loved ones, do your breast exams, get a a, a blood pressure cuff. And so, and you know, while you're at it, tune back in next Sunday at 7 a.m. for some more My Community Plan Foundation Hour. This has been your co-host, Adia Hayden, and we look forward to seeing and hearing you all next week.